0: Hey, folks, Joe Morris with uh, Answers, Heaven Speaks. I hope you all had a really good weekend. Uh, In a way, it was a good weekend for me because we had a great big hurricane come in. Not where I'm at right now. I'm in Vegas right now. But Drew and Tawny are back down there in Mexico. And there was a big, monstrous hurricane that came in. But it was very fortunate because it hugged the coast. It came in around Puerto Vallarta, uh, kind of came over the top of Puerto Vallarta but mainly stayed along the coast and, and it just kind of rode the coast and rode the coast and rode the coast for a while and right up past our house and it knocked down some of our banana plants uh, so we'll have to regrow our bananas again and then, the, um, and then it eventually uh, came on shore a, a little farther north of our home so other than losing a couple of banana plants we didn't lose our house. And uh, fortunately, didn't cause too much damage at all because it came in in an area where there just weren't a lot of people. And so uh, it did create some problems in, in a town that just invariably always gets hit by it, a town called Acaponeta. And that's uh, kind of halfway between uh, Puerto Vallarta and Mazatlan. And it's because there's a great big slough there. If you don't know what a slough is, a slough is a Is kind of a wetlands and uh, the water is very shallow it's very shallow maybe a foot deep or something but you can imagine in the warmth of Mexico that water just really warms up and so for some reason those those uh, hurricanes come up the coast uh, all the way up from Central America and they kind of make a right-hand turn once they hit uh, Mexico Oh, it sounded like there was a lot of wind outside. I think somebody's running the vacuum cleaner. So anyway, we were very lucky. It, did, it didn't create a whole lot of damage. And so it was, for that, it was a good weekend. From a sports standpoint, not such a good weekend. Not a good weekend for, for uh, my hometown team. But that's the way it goes. Sports, there's a winner, there's a loser. Things like that are just going to happen. We had a couple good lessons. We did a lesson on Saturday, and, and we don't normally do anything on a Saturday, and it turned out to be quite a, a lengthy one. And uh, we talked about uh, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve on Saturday. So if you want to, go back a couple couple, and uh, listen to what uh, the Rancher Book has to say, had to say about uh, uh, the whole Adam and Eve thing. I mean, it's very, very interesting, very, very interesting, and Marissa had a pretty long uh, uh, channeling in there as well at the end. Uh, the day before, we took a slight diversion um, to try to understand who Michael was, and Michael being eventually incarnated as Jesus, but uh, Michael is the creator of our universe, and throughout the Orangia book, they mention, of course, Jesus, 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 but they keep mentioning Michael as well because Michael became Jesus, but it's amazing the incarnations he had to do. He had uh, a total of seven incarnations, and when he's on the cross, and we'll get to that, when it's on the cross, uh, he blurts out, it is finished. Well, when he finishes his seven incarnations, he takes over the sovereignty of his universe. In the interim, while he was in his various incarnations, Um, His big brother, his big brother, Emmanuel, was in charge of this universe because Emmanuel had his own universe. (laughs) He was a Michael as well Uh, because there's just so many universes. There are like 35,000 universes, not 35,000 galaxies, not 35,000, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Constellations. No, 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 no. There's 35,000 universes. So the universe we see, that belongs to our Michael. And Michael decided in his seventh incarnation, actually in his sixth incarnation, he became a spirit, a a Marantia spirit. And that's uh, the spirit of the Father that lives within us. And he got to live that looking out the eyes of a human, looking out the eyes of a human as a spirit. But then in his seventh incarnation, he became a human, and that's when he became Jesus. And it's just amazing that this guy created our entire universe, and with all his uh, material sons and daughters, Adam and Eve were material sons and daughters, but they were basically scientists up on a place called Jerusalem. and jerusalem is in, I guess, Salvington, which is the head of our... It's where the headquarters of our universe is. And I don't know where that is. I really don't. Uh, I guess I could go back and study a little bit more in the ranch book to figure it out. But uh, Adam and Eve were material sons. And what the material sons and daughters do is they create. They create. They create plants and animals and all kinds of things. So when they created this earth, they had to make all kinds of plants and animals and all kinds of things. And they bring them down and bring them down to earth. And and just think of all the different kinds of animals that are on top of the earth, and then think of how many are in the waters down below. They're all created. Everything's created. So anyway, here's this creator of our entire universe. He comes down as a lowly man, as a lowly man to teach one thing, to do the will of the Father. He keeps saying that it is my Father who sent me, and it is his will that will guide me, and... To be in the kingdom of heaven, you need to do the will of the Father. It's just a constant refrain, constant, constant, constant. And it really pisses a lot of people off, uh, especially the Pharisees and, and the Sanhedrin, which is sort of like the government uh, of the Jews. And they just don't like Jesus. Well, half of them are taking, taking up uh, uh, the mission of, of Jesus and, and, and believing he truly is a prophet if not the son of God himself. But there's a lot of them that just don't like him. They just don't like him. So they still have... We went over in the last session where he was just ripping the Pharisees. He's telling them that they were the sons of the devil and that they had no light in them and that if you wanted uh, to escape death, referring to your spirit or your soul, um, that Jesus is the light. And so the Pharisees just don't like that. They just don't like that at all. But anyway... Um, we're going to continue on with this story. Uh, Jesus has gone down into uh, both the Feast of the Tabernacles and the Feast of the Dedication. He's done sermons right in there, right on Solomon's porch. Uh, the Bible calls it the Solomon's colonnade, uh, and in the temple grounds. And people love him. They just people just really love him. But the Pharisees want to stone him. They literally want to stone him. But Jesus always gets away, gets away. So now after the Feast of Dedication, he's gone back up to, um, I think he's up in Capernaum or, or Magdala. And, uh, and that's where he sets out the 70. The Bible calls them 72. The Orangian book calls it 70. And they go out two by two to just a ton of cities. And I'll, I'll name off some of the cities uh, that they go to. And then Jesus does these morning sessions about 9 a.m. And then in the afternoon, he kind of travels around. I guess the towns aren't that far apart uh, where he travels from a town to a town to kind of see what his evangelists are doing. And then in the nighttime, he sits down with his apostles and other well-learned disciples. And he answers the apostles' question. So he's going to get into a couple parables today. Uh, one's on the Good Shepherd, and you'll find the Good Shepherd in, uh, oh, is it Luke 10 or Luke 11? Might be Luke 12. Luke 11, I think, is the, the riot, is, is the, uh, is his friend Lazarus dies, but we haven't got there yet. So that's the way the Bible is. It jumps on one chapter, he's in Perea or at the Feast of the Tabernacles, and and then the next chapter, it's way up ahead, and then, the next chapter, he goes back again. So it's kind of hard to do it all chronologically in the Bible. So it's actually the uh, the Good Shepherd is also taught in the book of John. And I think it's chapter 8, might be 8. And then uh, the story of the Good Shepherd is also in uh, Luke 12. I think it's Luke 12. In fact, uh, let me take a quick look because we're not going to get into that. I, I saved... Sundays for the Bible. So yesterday we went through uh let's see, what are we praying for a certain place? Woe to you experts. No, I think it must have been Luke uh maybe Luke twelve. Twelve and ten? Luke ten. Ten he appoints the seventy-two. Uh twelve. He's got thousands around. That's when David Seventy sets up a uh, of the camp for him. And then Luke 11. Uh, then he's scolding the Pharisees again. So let's just keep it going in the rancher book. It's Everything's very chronological there. And thanks for all you that, that come on during this live show. Um, it, it really is humbling that you do. Uh, but I also want to thank all the people that come on afterwards because so many people come on afterwards because I boosted. Uh, my tithing is to boost it, so I boost it out. And I get it out to 10, 12, 15, 20,000 people. And it just depends on what Facebook wants to do. <coughs> and then I have a lot of people that watch watch this. And uh, so it may not show show up in the stats when you look at my site or at a, at a post. It may not even show how many views I can get. I can get 6,000 views. But I'll get anywhere between 1,000 and 2,000 people who actually watch this. Uh, from mostly Central America, South America, and then the United States. Can't seem to pick up anybody in Canada. Picked up some people in Greenland. Can't pick up anybody in Spain or, or the United Kingdom or France. Uh, I don't know. I don't know whether we're getting it out that far or whether people just don't want to, want to hear this story. But let's keep on with the story. So Jesus is going to start out the uh, Perian mission. And it starts out on Tuesday, January 3rd, A.D. 30. Oh, and by the way, Marissa's going to be listening. And if she has anything to interject uh, while we're doing the show, um, then she'll pop her head in here. I'm in Las Vegas at Marissa's house. Actually, Henderson, Henderson, Nevada. And uh, hopefully at the end of this, Marissa will come in and do some channeling. Uh, She might be touching on some of the things that we talked about over the weekend. Or she may just stick with how the story goes here. We'll see. Just never know. You know, she calls in those universe personalities, and we're never sure who's going to come in. But we're always hoping that Christ will be here. Jesus will be in here as well. So, gonna, they
1: can come in. Oh, you want to say hi? Hi. Yeah, okay. This I is
0: this it. is this is Buddy Boy. This is Buddy. Hi, tank. <laughs> oh, tank. <laughs> You're a
1: tank.
0: You're Tank. You're Tank. You're the Tank. You're gonna come be come Tank the football. Do you want to say
1: hi, Madison?
0: Let's yes, you guys. I know. Mess up my bed.
2: Hi. hi, I'm here. I didn't know you had started. I told said Jeff, is it five? Is it 5 is it five eleven.
0: I went, oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm just getting started.
2: Okay, okay. I was just let's I was start just start telling him to
0: choke him in. I'm gonna turn uh, to
2: listen to you through my earphones. Okay.
0: Listen, then, if you need to come in and interject for anything, just okay. come on in.
2: Perfect. Okay. Okay,
0: bye, you guys.
2: Bye. We'll be right bye. here. I'll be
1: back.
0: Are you going to say hi? You didn't say hi. Madison, come. Say, say
1: hi. Hi, take, I'll be <laughs> back, Tank. <laughs> That I bought
0: the, the t- Oh boy, now I am Into t- a night to save a day! You're oh, talking about
1: tight, because you said, oh, tight!" Into and a sweet, night to t- t- save a day!
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: into the night to save the day! <laughs> <laughs> into the night to save the day! Tickles tickle, are going to fly tickle. off in the distance.
0: Okay, all right, let's get back into the story. Marissa will be listening. If I'll she wants okay, to I interject, um, okay. then she'll come in, and uh, otherwise, she'll come in at the end. So on Tuesday, January 3rd, A.D. 30, they're finally into uh, the year 30, Abner, who is the, um, uh, he was the head of the Apostolic Corps of John the Baptist, and he has now joined Jesus, ha- has been with him for some time now, maybe about a year. So on Tuesday, January 3rd, A.D. 30, Abner, the former chief of the 12 apostles of John the Baptist, a Nazarite and one time head of the Nazarite school of Engedi, now chief of the 70 messengers of the kingdom, called his associates together and gave them final instructions before sending them on a mission to all of the cities and villages of Perea. Now, Perea, they're all safe up there uh, because because Philip, who heads up the area of Perea, is the brother of Herod. He's He's taken a liking to Jesus, so he's not going to allow that warrant for his arrest to take place up in Perea. So they're going to have about a three-month stay up there. So anyway, uh, they're going to go out to all the cities and villages of Perea. This Perea mission continued for almost three months and was the last ministry of the Master. Well, the last ministry outside of Jerusalem, because after this, we're going to get into... Oh, all the sad stuff. Sad on one end, good on another. So from these labors, Jesus went directly to Jerusalem to pass through his final experiences in the flesh. That's going to come three months hence. The 70, supplemented by the periodic labors of Jesus and the 12 apostles, worked in the following cities and towns and some 50 additional villages. They had a lot of them. I'd like to go to Jerusalem. I'd love to go to Jerusalem and rent a car, and, and just travel all around to all these cities, all these cities that, that Jesus had gone to. Um, here's just some of them. Zaphon, Gadara, Makad, Ma- Machad, Arbella, Ramath, Edre, Bosora, Caspin, Mispay, Gerasa, we know that as Kerasa, Ragaba, Sukkoth, Anathus, Adam, Penuel, Capitolius, Dion, Hatita, Gadda, Philadelphia, Jog, Gilead, Beth, Nimra, Tyrus, Elilah, Elila, Livius, Heshbon, Calero, Beth Peor, Shetam, Sidma, Medeba, Beth Meor, Areopolis and Erior, Aroer, Erior, That one's a hard one to say. That's just a few. That's a lot of them. That's almost like the Bible when you're going begat, 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 begat. So it means nothing to most of you. Really doesn't mean anything to me either because I haven't been there. Well, just assume that those were all the cities and villages and the towns where the 70 were going out two by two. So throughout this tour of Perea, the women's corps now is growing. Originally 12, actually 10, and then it grew to 12, and Mary Magdalene is part of the women's group, now numbering 62, took over most of the work of ministering to the sick, like nurses. And this was the final period of the development of the higher spiritual aspects of the gospel, of the kingdom. And there was accordingly an absence of miracle working. Not much miracle working going on. They are teaching people through their faith that they can heal themselves. So no other part of Palestine was so thoroughly worked by the apostles and disciples of Jesus. And in no other region did the better classes of citizens so generally accept the master's teaching. So Perea at this time was about equally Gentile and equally Jewish. And the Jews having been, and if you go up farther north, you go up farther north above the uh, Sea of Galilee, you start getting up into what's today Lebanon, And uh, what's the other one? Let's see, Phoenicia is Lebanon. Oh, and Jordan, Lebanon and Jordan. And Jordan still today is quite a Christian country. Hasn't been taken over by uh, the Muslim faith of Islam. So the Jews, having uh, generally removed from these regions during the times of Judas Maccabee, again, the... um, Catholic Bible has 68 books. Our regular Bible has 66 because the Catholic Bible takes in the Maccabees. Uh, There's two books of the Maccabees in there. So apparently there was a, um, during the times of Judas Maccabee, there was a lot of revolt. The Maccabees were always seemed to be in revolt. So Perea was the most beautiful and picturesque province of all Palestine. It was generally referred to by the Jews as the land beyond the Jordan. So throughout this period, Jesus divided his time between the camp at Pella and trips with the 12 to assist the 70 in the various cities where they taught and preached. Again, where the camp in Pella is, is, is in, uh, um, I want to say Shiloh, it's not Shiloh, uh, but it's about halfway halfway between Sea of Galilee and and Jerusalem. And David Zebedee set up a big camp for about 1,500. But we're going to see that there's a lot more than that show up. There's about 3,000 that show up. So where they taught and preached, the 70. Under Abner's instructions, the 70 baptized all believers, just like John used to do. Although Jesus had not so charged them. Jesus didn't tell them to baptize. So chapter 1, at the Bella camp. Pella, P-E-L-L-A. By the middle of January, more than 1,200 persons were gathered together at Pella. That's taking up most of the accommodations because it was set up for about 1,500. And Jesus taught this multitude at least once each day when he was in residence at the camp, usually speaking at 9 o'clock in the morning, if not prevented by rain. So if there's rain, no pe- no preaching. Peter and the other apostles taught each afternoon at the camp in Pella. The evenings, Jesus reserved for the usual sessions of questions and answers with the 12 and other advanced disciples. And the evening groups averaged about 50. So there's 12 apostles and another roughly 38 disciples. So by the middle of March, jump from January up to March, by the middle of March, the time when Jesus began his journey toward Jerusalem. Over 4,000 persons composed the large audience, which heard Jesus or Peter preach each morning. Now the master chose to terminate his work on earth when the interest in his message had reached a high point, the highest point attained under his this second or, let me say that again, The master chose to terminate his work on earth when the interest in his message had reached a high point, the highest point attained under this second or non-miraculous phase of the progress of the kingdom. While three quarters of the multitude were truth seekers, there were also present a large number of Pharisees from Jerusalem and elsewhere, together with many doubters and cavilers. Cavilers, those are like, antifa of today. They are paid to go and create problems. So he had his problems. He had some not only doubters, but he had people that were causing problems. So Jesus and the 12 apostles devoted much of their time to the multitude assembled in the Pella camp. The 12 paid little or no attention to the field work, only going out with Jesus to visit Abner's associates from time to time. Now, Abner was very familiar with the Piraean district since this was the field in which his former master, John the Baptist, had done most of his work. After beginning the Piraean mission, Abner and the Seventy never returned to the Pella camp. They just stayed up there in Perea. I guess they didn't follow Jesus down to Jerusalem. Now, here's the Sermon on the Good Shepherd. This can be found in both the books of John and in the book of Luke. And I read through it, and it's almost exact. The Urantia book adds a little bit to it, a little bit more of the backstory, uh, but not a lot. There's quite a bit that that comes directly out of the gospel. A company of over 300 Jerusalemites, Pharisees, and others followed Jesus north to Pella when he hastened away from the jurisdiction of the Jewish rulers at the ending of the Feast of the Dedication. (coughs) Excuse me. And it was in the presence of these Jewish teachers and leaders, as well as in the hearing of the 12 apostles, that Jesus preached the Sermon on the Good Shepherd. After half an hour of informal discussion, speaking to a group of about 100, Jesus said, here's what Jesus said. On this night, I have much to tell you, and since many of you are my disciples and some of you my bitter enemies, I will present my teaching in a parable so that you may each take for yourself that which finds a reception in your heart. He goes on, Tonight, here before me are men who would be willing to die for me and for this gospel of the kingdom, and some of them will so offer themselves in the years to come. I bet you the apostles and the disciples kind of gulped, had a big gulp on that one. Uh Uh-oh. And here also are some of you, slaves of tradition, who have followed me down from Jerusalem and who with your darkened and deluded leaders seek to kill the Son of Man. This part of the parable is not in the Gospels. The life which I now live in the flesh shall judge both of you, the true shepherds and the false shepherds. If the false shepherd were blind, he would have no sin. But you claim that you see. He's talking to the Pharisees. You profess to be teachers in Israel. Therefore, does your sin remain upon you? The true shepherd gathers his flock. This is Jesus. The true shepherd gathers his flock into the fold for the night in times of danger. And when the morning has come, he enters into the fold by the door. And when he calls, the sheep know his voice. Every shepherd who gains entrance to the sheepfold by any other means than by the door is a thief and a robber. The true shepherd enters the fold after the porter has opened the door for him, and his sheep, knowing his voice, come out at his word. And when they that are his are thus brought forth, the true shepherd goes before them. He leads the way, and the sheep follow him. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger. They will flee from the stranger because they know not his voice. This multitude which is gathered about us here are like sheep without a shepherd. But when we speak to them, they know the shepherd's voice and they follow after us, at least those who hunger for the truth and thirst for righteousness. Some of you are not of my fold. You know not my voice and you do not follow me. And because you are false shepherds, The sheep know not your voice and will not follow you. And when Jesus had spoken this parable, no one asked him a question. After a time, though, he began again to speak and went on to discuss the parable. And he said, you who would be the under shepherds of my father's flocks must not only be worthy leaders, but you must also feed the flock with good food. You're not true shepherds unless you lead your flocks into green pastures and beside still waters. 23rd Psalm, is that 23rd Psalm? Green pastures and still waters. You know, it's so cool because Tawny, my little seven-year-old, she knows the 23rd Psalm. She's, she's memorized it. She knows it and I just watch her as she says it. And I go, oh my gosh, she knows it all. Drew totter, And now, lest some of you too easily comprehend this parable, I will declare that I am both the door, Jesus is saying he's not only the voice, but he's also the door, to the father's sheepfold, and at the same time the true shepherd of my father's flocks. Every shepherd who seeks to enter the fold without me shall fail, and the sheep will not hear his voice. I, Jesus speaking of himself, I, with those who minister with me, am the door. Every soul who enters upon the eternal way by the means I have created and ordained shall be saved and will be able to go on to the attainment of the eternal pastures, eternal pastures of paradise. Jesus goes on, he says, but I also am the true shepherd who is willing even to lay down his life for the sheep. The thief breaks into the fold only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you all may have life and have it more abundantly. He who is a hireling, when danger arises, will flee and allow the sheep to be scattered and and destroyed. But the true shepherd will not flee when the wolf comes. He will protect his flock and, if necessary, lay down his life for his sheep. So verily, verily, I say to you, friends and enemies, I am the true shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. I will not flee in the face of danger and I will finish this service of the completion of my father's will. And I will not forsake the flock, which the father has entrusted to my keeping. But I have many other sheep, not of this fold. Once again, he's got lots of worlds and at one time he was uh what was he he was on oh, i want to say that he was well it's, uh, at one point he was on satania which is ruled by lucifer which includes which is a system that includes 36 inhabited planets but jesus obviously is talking about his home which is up in Jerusalem? I guess the name of it is Jerusalem. So he's just telling them he's not from here. But they don't understand that. He says, but I have many other sheep, not of this fold. And these words are true, not only of this world. These other sheep also hear and know my voice. And I have promised the Father that they shall all be brought into one fold, one brotherhood of the sons of God. And then shall you all know the voice of one shepherd, the true shepherd, and shall all acknowledge the fatherhood of God. And so shall you know why the father loves me and has put all of his flocks in this domain, in my hands for keeping. It is because the father knows that I will not falter in the safeguarding of the sheepfold, that I will not desert my sheep, and that if it shall be required, I will not hesitate to lay down my life in the service of this manifold flocks, his manifold flocks. But mind you, if I lay down my life, I will take it up again. And I think that part is is in the Good Shepherd, in the books of Luke and also in John. If I lay down my life, I will take it up again. No man nor any other creature can take away my life. I have the right and the power to lay down my life and I have the same power and right to take it up again. So he's telling him that he's going to resurrect. You cannot understand this, but I received such authority from my father even before this world was. It's kind of funny because uh, when, when Jesus had done, uh, which we read a couple days ago, when he did his first incarnation, that was one billion years ago. And between each incarnation was like 150 million years, long before this world was. He's been around a long time, long, 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 long time. So when they heard these words, his apostles were absolutely confused and his disciples were just amazed while the Pharisees from Jerusalem and around about went out into the night saying, he's either mad or he has a devil. But even some of the Jerusalem teachers said, he speaks like one having great authority. Besides, whoever saw one having a devil open the eyes of a man born blind and do all of the wonderful things which this man has done. Remember, we had... uh, what, two lessons ago, three lessons ago is when Jesus had, uh, had restored the sight of a man who was born blind. And then they just couldn't believe their lying eyes, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they blamed Jesus for healing somebody on the Sabbath day. And they said, nobody's supposed to be doing anything on the Sabbath day. You're not even allowed to heal or whatever. So they called together an emergency meeting of the Sadducees and the, and the, and the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin on the Sabbath, which we're, they're not allowed to do. So here they are projecting, projecting, saying you're doing something wrong when it's them that's doing something wrong.
1: <sighs>
0: so on the morrow, about half of these Jewish teachers professed belief in Jesus and the other half in dismay, dismay returned to Jerusalem and their homes. Here's a Sabbath sermon at Pella. By the end of January, the Sabbath afternoon multitudes numbered almost 3,000 now. On Saturday, January 28, right down to the day, that would be AD 30, Jesus preached the memorable sermon on trust and spiritual preparedness. After preliminary remarks by Simon Peter, the master said, quoting Jesus, What I have many times said to my apostles and to my disciples, I now declare to this multitude. He's speaking to about 3,000 people now without a microphone. How'd they do that? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven, I guess when you're making bread, what is that, yeast? Yeast. But now he's going to explain what the leaven is. Remember when we did that? We did that parable, I think on a Sunday. Of the leaven uh, of the of the uh, uh of the bread and i couldn't under- i couldn't understand it i really couldn't and i don't think anybody wrote to me and say they did excuse me I got hiccups so Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. the leaven of the Pharisee is hypocrisy, oh my gosh don't we see hypocrisy today it's everywhere born of prejudice and nurtured in traditional bondage albeit many of these pharisees are honest of heart and some of them abide here as my disciples and presently all of you shall understand my teaching for there is nothing now covered that shall not be revealed that which is now hid from you shall all be made known when the son of man has completed his mission on earth and in the flesh. He says, soon, very soon, will the things which our enemies now plan in secrecy and in darkness be brought out into the light and be proclaimed from the housetops. But I say to you, my friends, when they seek to destroy the Son of Man, be not afraid. Be not afraid of them. Fear not those who, although they may be able to kill the body, After that, have no more power over you. That's gotta be a little scary because they really don't know where they're going. Most of them think they're going into the ground and they're gonna be there for like almost eternity when a dispensation takes place and then they're raised up then. Jesus is saying, you go right up there. You go right into the heavenly realms once you leave this life that we live now. He says, I admonish you to fear none. This is a lesson for today too. Fear none in heaven or on earth, but to rejoice in the knowledge of him who has power, God, to deliver you from all unrighteousness and to present you blameless, blameless, before the judgment seat of a universe. Yeah, we're all gonna be judged. Seriously, um, some may be prejudged and sent straight to hell. But those who get to jump over and go on in, into heaven, we're going to be judged. I think we can always think of that spirit of God that lives within our head as also like a, like a, a computer hard drive. And it's just logging everything, 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 everything. And what are those? Akashic, I think Marissa talks about the acacia records. The acacia records, I think those are the, the records of our life that are opened when we go to judgment. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And yet, when these birds fly about in quest of their sustenance, not one of them exists without the knowledge of the Father, the source of all life. Ah, and this is what Jesus was as well. He was a seraphic guardian in one of his incarnations, seraphic guardian. And now he's saying to the seraphic guardians, the very hairs of your head are numbered. We've talked about that before. I also said, not only are our hairs all counted on our head, short ones, long ones, doesn't matter, facial, whatever. But you know what? Not one person on this earth has your thumbprint. Not one, not one. Now tell me we aren't marked. God knows who you are. He knows you who you are. He put a stamp on your thumb. He knows exactly who you are. And if all of this is true, why should you live in fear of the many trifles which come up in your daily lives? This is a good lesson for today. I say to you, fear not. You are of much more value than many sparrows. And Jesus goes on, he says, all of you who have had the courage to confess faith in my gospel before men, I will presently acknowledge before the angels of heaven. But he who shall knowingly deny the truth of my teachings before men shall be denied by his guardian of destiny, even before the angels of heaven. He shall be not denied by his guardian of destiny. How many times do we talk about a team? We have a team. We've got the Father inside of us. We've got the Spirit of Christ within us. We've got the Holy Spirit within us. We've got angels in charge of us. I'm going to guess the guardians of destiny are probably, I'm going to take a guess on this, are the, um, um <laughs> I've already forgotten, what is it? Oh, Marissa fix me on that one. Uh, oh, oh, my God. It just went right through my brain. Anyway, we all have a guardian of destiny. And I believe it's that guardian that, that is either the creator of our soul uh, at, the, at the behest of Christ. Or he has assigned our soul to travel and, and take care of us um, throughout our life. What is it, Marissa? What? Cosmic records, and then what was the
2: other word you were
0: looking for? Uh, the ones that, that that guide our souls. Uh, the the
2: uh, guides, master guides, uh, uh, over
0: souls, uh, souls. The the what's what's the next one? Christ of beings. No, not Christ of beings. Master Just guides. No, no, no. Starts with an A. I can't. Uh, I'm I'm going. Uh, guardian angel. Not guardian angels. I think the guardian angels are
2: Angel?
0: <laughs> no, not angels. I'll okay. think of it. I'll yeah, think, of it. think of it. Uh, it's it's something that you talk about in more of the, um,
2: the mediumship realm. What is it in the mediumship realm? Yeah, name?
0: in the mediumship realm. Um, I
2: know, I can't think of it either. Oh my god! You said akash means soul, so akashic akashic, akashic, akashic records
0: are that. But yeah. I'm trying to think of who these guardians. Guardians. of destiny are and, and i think it's gatekeepers thi- um uh, there's a uh Asc-
2: Asc-
0: oh, ascended masters ascended masters yeah. guy
2: i knew it so started with an a we discovered the other day that a lot of these masters are outdated and old and not real anymore because they've already left
0: well they've been around i mean don't forget jesus did his first as michael his first incarnation a billion years ago yeah, I know. and so a lot of these uh uh, ascended masters have been around because they're just one step underneath being Christed. They've been around of, a long time.
2: But a lot of mediums have discovered, um, like ascended masters, like the Lighthouse Summit Lady, the Summit Lady. What's her name? Prophet. Uh-huh. And if you tune into those ascended masters, they're not ascended masters. They're like demons.
0: Well, you know, a lot of good. Did they fall in? A lot of good souls. A lot of good souls have fallen. Mm-hmm. So a lot. Of, there's, I mean, Lucifer, or Satan, devil, call that triune, whatever you want are being very successful at getting a lot of souls.
2: Well, I made a, I made a note in the thing that, that, where they said, if you had eyes, you would have surely sinned. Uh-huh. And that was something you just read, and I made a note of it. And they are saying that, that if our eyes are open, we can sin much easier because we see stuff, and we, it creates a illusion that something is a certain way, and then we go and we do something wrong. Like, you know, we see our guy stare over to the other side of the room, and we go, oh, who are you looking at? That's it, and you go and you cheat on him because you think he's looking at some girl, and really he was just looking for the bathroom, or, you know, whatever. So the, they said that they just said it like ten minutes ago, and I made a note in there about. I want the guides to channel about that quote that you read about. Well, he the said eyes were he open. said
0: he who is blind cannot sin because he cannot see his sin. Oh, it's the and he was referring to the Pharisees that their eyes are open but they mm. they don't see, so they just sin. They just sin.
2: But sin is just coming off of your, of your soul path and acting out in fear, is what they're saying.
0: Yeah, they're saying, don't fear. Yeah, if
2: you act out in anything in fear, then you're, you're living in sin. You're not living on your soul's path if you make a decision out of fear.
0: Well, they've said before also that fear or oh, fear sin fear. is against God. So fear is also against God because God says, don't fear.
2: Yeah. Of course, then again, he's man? also
0: telling him. Jesus is also telling him. you know, they can take your human life, but they can't take your spirit. They can't take your soul. And people are going, oh my God, <laughs> they could take my life? Yipes. So, I mean, there's a lot of little, a lot of consternation going on. It's worse
2: to lose your soul.
0: Yeah, worse to lose your soul. Okay, so Jesus goes on, he says, say what you will about the Son of Man, and it shall be forgiven you. But he who presumes to blaspheme against God shall hardly find forgiveness. I think the actual passage in, in the Gospels though is that Jesus says, you can, you can blast me and you can blast the Father, but don't, don't you dare blast the Holy Spirit. Otherwise there is no forgiveness. But here in the Arantia record, it's just, you can, you can talk all kinds of crap and whatever you want about Jesus, but don't talk crap about God. Because you'll, you won't find forgiveness. When men go so far as knowingly to ascribe the doings of God to the forces of evil, such deliberate rebels will hardly seek forgiveness for their sins.
2: The reason why they're saying that is they said the Holy Spirit very quickly becomes Satan if you speak about the Holy Spirit in fear or in a malintent to create something that, that's against God's will. Because the Holy Spirit is the creation energy comes in that we use like the gasoline that we use to fuel our creation and if we do it on in, in fear or when we're in sin and we create um then that's we're using satan to create that's interesting so satan's the yeah. flip side of the holy spirit
0: well there's like yin and yang flip yeah. flip sides of almost everything yeah, christ, yeah, it's christ, christ, almost as if spirit. you know uh satan is the flip side of christ although christ flip was the holy spirit was the creator Christ was the creator of Lucifer. But again, Lucifer, Lucifer is, is still being faith judged faith. by the ancients of days. The Lucifer ancients of faith. days have not sent down um, their justice yet.
2: Lucifer would be closer to being called the devil
0: than Satan. Yeah, I still think it's in a I triune. I think it's still a trinity of Lucifer, Satan, and the devil. Because Caligastia used to be the prince of, uh, prince of peace on earth. Lucifer
2: and Jesus would be equivalent.
0: But Caligastia fell. And then, uh, then when Jesus met the devil and Caligastia, both of them up on Mount Hebron, that's when he told the devil, Satan, Lucifer, to get behind him, and then he took over the job of the Prince of Peace of the Earth uh, from Caligastia. Hmm. So Jesus goes on. He says, "And when our enemies bring you before the rulers of the synagogues and before other high authorities, be not concerned about." what you should say and be not anxious as to how you should answer their questions for the spirit that dwells within you shall certainly teach you in that very hour what you should say in the honor of the gospel of the kingdom and I tell Marissa I'm, and I, I've told all you uh, at at different times that when I'm in a tough situation I have to go face somebody let's say it's for a, a job interview and you're just scared to death you're just oh my god I really want this job but oh my god I gotta go through this interview blah 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 blah. I always just tell Marissa I tell others I say just give your will over to to the father at that time just say father I freely give you my will that your will be done and please take over my mind take over my mouth and give me peace and you know what If you say that little prayer before you go into that meeting, you're going to come out with a job.
2: show me life through
0: your eyes. Yeah, show me life through your eyes. So you'll get that job. You'll get that job if you truly, truly give up that will. If it was meant to be. Highest and best. Always highest and best. Sometimes you don't get it because it wasn't for your highest and best. You You think it's for your highest and best, but your team knows better. They know better. So Jesus goes on. He says, how long will you tarry in the valley of decision?" Why do you halt between two opinions? Why should Jew or Gentile hesitate to accept the good news that he is a son of the eternal God? How long will it take us to persuade you to enter joyfully into your spiritual inheritance? I came into this world to reveal the Father to you and to lead you to the Father. The first I have done, but the last I may not do without your consent. The Father never compels any man to enter the kingdom. The invitation ever has been and always will be whosoever will, let him come and freely partake of the water of life. Marissa gets into water a lot. How are we doing on time? I don't even know. Oh, let's see. I got about 10 minutes to get to you. Let me see how much farther. Yeah, let me see how much farther I can get.
2: I'm still I'm just to get it so I can actually write and you can see what I wrote.
0: Okay. When Jesus had finished speaking, many went forth to be baptized by the apostles in the Jordan while he listened to the questions of those who remained. And here's something. We'll go, and go through this one. Uh, somebody comes and asks him, says, says, Jesus, my brother took all of the inheritance from my dad. He should be sharing that with me, shouldn't he? And Jesus says, why are you asking me that? Those are material things. So as the apostles baptized believers, the master talked with those who kind of hung around, tarried. And a certain young man said to him, Master, my father died, leaving much property to me and my brother, but my brother refuses to give me that which is my own. Will you then bid my brother divide this inheritance with me? So he wants Jesus to go go scorn on the brother. And Jesus was mildly indignant that this material-minded youth should bring up for discussion such a question of business. But he proceeded to use the occasion for the impartation of further instruction. So said Jesus, man, who made me a divider over you? He He calls the young man, man. He goes, man, who made me a divider over you? Where did you get the idea that I give attention to the material affairs of this world? I mean, just think, this is the creator of our entire universe. And he owns everything. Absolutely everything. He doesn't, own any of it. he doesn't own any of it, but he made it
2: all. Yeah, he thought
0: it up. So why should I give attention to the material affairs of this world? And then turning to all who are about him, he said, take heed and keep yourselves free from covetousness that's the 10th commandment isn't that the 10th commandment don't be yielding after don't be don't be jealous of of your neighbor's car or their house in the bible it's his his cow or his wife keep yourselves free from covetedness and a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he may possess happiness comes not from the power of wealth And joy springs not from riches. Wealth in itself is not a curse. Here you go, folks, all you socialists out there. Listen to this. Wealth in itself is not a curse. But the love of riches many times leads to such devotion to the things of this world that the soul becomes blinded to the beautiful attractions of the spiritual realities of the kingdom of God on earth and to the joys of eternal life in heaven. Let me tell you, Jesus says, let me tell you a story of a certain rich man whose ground brought forth plentifully. And when he had become very rich, he began to reason with himself saying, what should I do with all my riches? I now have so much that I have no place to store my wealth. And when he had meditated on his problem, he said, this is what I'll do. I will pull down all my barns and build greater ones, and thus will I have abundant room, abundant room, in which to store my fruits and my goods. Then can I say to my soul, Saul, you have much wealth laid up for many years. Take now you, take now your ease, eat, drink. He's talking to his soul, saying, To eat, drink, and be merry. For you are rich, telling his soul that he is rich and increased in goods. Jesus goes on, he says, but this rich man was also foolish in providing for the material requirements of his mind and his body. He had failed to lay up treasures in heaven for the satisfaction of the spirit, the spirit and for the salvation of the soul. And even then he was not to enjoy the pleasure of consuming his hoarded wealth. For that very night was his soul required of him. He was killed. He died. That night there came the brigands who broke into his house to kill him. And after they had plundered his barns, they burned that which remained. And for the property which escaped the robbers, his heirs fell to fighting among themselves. This man had laid up treasures for himself on earth, but he was not rich towards God. Jesus thus dealt with the young man and his inheritance because he knew that his trouble was covetedness, coveting. Even if this had not been the case, the master would not have interfered for he never meddled with the temporal affairs of even his apostles, much less his disciples. And when Jesus had finished his story, another man rose up and asked him, Master, I know that your apostles have sold all of their earthly possessions to follow you and that they have all things in common as do the Essenes. But would you have all of us who are your disciples do likewise? So they're asking him, should everybody give up their goods? Should they give up everything? He says, is it a sin to possess honest wealth? And Jesus replied to this question. And he said, my friend, it is not a sin to have honorable wealth, but it is a sin if you convert the wealth of material possessions into treasures, which may absorb your interests and divert your affections from devotion to the spiritual pursuits of the kingdom. There is no sin in having honest possessions on earth, provided your treasure is in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is all in the gospel as well. There is a great difference. We'll probably cover all this next Sunday. There is a great difference between wealth, which leads to covetousness, and selfishness, and that which is held and dispensed in the spirit of stewardship by those who have an abundance of this world's goods, and who so bountifully contribute to the support of those who devote all their energies to the work of the kingdom. Many of you who are here and without money are fed and lodged in yonder tended city. That was the the city that David Zebedee put put together. Because liberal men and women of means have given funds to your host, David Zebedee, for such purposes. I would say that it would be conservative, but he says liberal men, and, and liberals used to be that way. I mean, in our country they used to be that
2: way. Where's David Zebedee
0: David Zebedee was the younger brother of James and John Zebedee uh, who were apostles oh,
2: okay. of
0: Jesus and uh, the father of Zebedee was a boat builder that Jesus had designed many many really cool boats. Okay. Many of the best boats on the uh, on the uh, on Galilee were actually designed by Jesus at that time. Wow. And there are men and women today. Men and women today. Who leave that tip for that that uh, uh, for that uh, waitress? Uh, I remember a man who was just walking around the streets, just handing out hundred dollar bills to people, just maybe homeless people or whatever. People who don't treasure their wealth, but become good stewards of their health of their wealth. So Jesus goes on. He says, "But never forget that, after all, wealth is unenduring." Nobody attaches a U-Haul to the back of a hearst. You're not going to be buried with your wealth. And if you are, somebody's just going to dig it up. Wealth is unenduring. The love of riches all too often obscures and even destroys the spiritual vision. Fail not to recognize the danger of wealth becoming not your servant, but your master. So Jesus did not teach nor countenance Improvidence, idleness, indifference to providing the physical necessities for one's family, or dependence upon alms. Alms is, uh, uh, alms is like charity, like charity. But he did reach that the material and temporal must be subordinated to the welfare of the soul and the progress of the spiritual nature in the kingdom of heaven. So then, as the people went down by the river to witness the baptizing, The first man came privately to Jesus about his inheritance, inasmuch as he thought Jesus had dealt harshly with him. And when the master had again heard him, he replied, My son, why do you miss the opportunity to feed upon the bread of life on a day like this, in order to indulge your covetous disposition? Do you not know that the Jewish laws of inheritance will be justly administered if you will go with your complaint to the court of the synagogue? Can you not see that my work has to do with making sure that you know about your heavenly inheritance? Have you not read the scripture that says, there is he who waxes rich by his weariness and much pinching, and this is the portion of his reward? Whereas he says, I have found rest, and now shall be able to eat continually of my goods. Yet he knows not what time shall bring upon him. And also that he must leave all these things to others when he dies. That was from an Old Testament. Probably from Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel. Jesus goes on and says, Have you not read the commandment that says, You shall not covet? That is the tenth of the Ten Commandments. And again, they have eaten and filled themselves and waxed fat. And then did they turn to other gods? Have you read in the Psalms that the Lord abhors the covetous? The Lord abhors the covetous. And that, quote, the little a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Have you read where Jeremiah said, let not the rich man glory in his riches? And Ezekiel spoke truth when he said, with their mouths they make a show of love. But their hearts are set upon their own selfish gain. So Jesus sent the young man away, saying to him, My son, what shall it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? To another standing nearby who asked Jesus how the wealthy would stand in the day of judgment, he replied, I have come to judge neither the rich nor the poor, but the lives men live will sit in judgment on all. Whatever else may concern the wealthy in the judgment, at least three questions must be answered by all who acquire great wealth. And these questions are, one, how much wealth did you accumulate? Number two, how did you get this wealth? And three, how did you use your wealth? Then Jesus went into his tent to rest for a while before the evening meal. And when the apostles had finished with the baptizing, they came also and would have talked with him about wealth on earth and treasure in heaven, but he was asleep. So, okay, I can go into uh, talks to the apostles on wealth, but I've hit my hour. So Marissa, I don't know if you're around or not. Um, She's out there somewhere. Let's see what Marissa has to say. So, uh, again, Jesus has nothing against wealth. It's what you do with your wealth. And do you live for your wealth? I mean, has that become your treasure? And I mean, we look at all, our, all of our politicians nowadays. They go in humbly to do service to their constituents. And then the next thing you know, they're locked into some kind of weird cult of the elite. And the next thing you know, they're worth millions and millions and millions. do they get millions? It's because they cheat. They cheat. They know what industries are going to be given money by the government, so they go buy that, that company's stocks. If you and I cheat like that, we go to jail. But not the politicians. Not those that store up treasures on earth, but not in heaven. So, Marissa, should I go on? Let me see if I can find Marissa. She's disappeared. But I, I I want to get into the talks to the apostles on wealth tomorrow. Uh, there's another, I think there's another uh parable in there also that I, I think I put into my my uh lesson plan up above. Uh but let me see if I can get let me see if I can get Marissa in here. Hang tight, hang tight. Marissa? Rissa. Okay, I'm done. Okay. Risa says, okay, I'm coming. Here she comes. She mustn't have heard me. So anyway, I don't know what she's going to say. Hopefully she's said a prayer. And uh, I always say a prayer before I start these lessons. Um, I ask God to freely take my will that his will be done. I tell him to give me his words, not mine. I tell him to give give me his brain, his thoughts, not mine. And then I ask the Holy Spirit to come within me and ask, ask God to put that, uh, that armor around me, which we may envision as a snow globe. Uh, that is our armor against anything coming in and trying to attack us. And then I ask the Holy Spirit to light me up so that others can see my light. But there's something else that that light of the Holy Spirit does. And that is that it cleans out all those flakes, all that coveting, or all that anger, or all that jealousy, or just all these terrible things that we humans do. And they they build up throughout our life. And they end up inside of our snow globes. And so that when we talk to others, we see. See our flakes. So we then project. We project on others our own faults. So anyway, I might as well go on until she comes in. Because I don't know. This is just Marissa. This is the way Marissa is. Uh, so let me just get started. So now, now Jesus is talking to his apostles. And then I'll break it off as soon as Marissa comes in. So I think she's writing things down. So talks to the apostles on wealth. Here she comes. Marissa, you ready? No, yeah, finish reading that real quick, and I'll in. Uh, I can't read it real quick, and I've already gone over my hour. Okay, she's not ready. So let me let me do this. Otherwise, I'm going to have to cut it off today, because she's obviously not ready to to uh, not ready to channel. Okay, talks to the apostles on wealth.
2: I just spilled on my leg.
0: What?
2: I spilled my soup on my leg.
0: Oh, okay. Well, are are, are you protected? Are you ready to... Well, I, was to saying,
2: I was saying a prayer. I said a prayer, but then sp- as soon as I said the prayer, I spilled my leg.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Um, if you want to read something, you can otherwise...
0: No, I'm done. I did my hour, so... What I
2: was trying to find was that little man that I drew on. Um, but when I pulled up to the house... It was like a, I started charting all of a sudden and it was this little, it's like a little cutout of a person. And it has all this writing all over it. It says like Bible, Quran, our books. It has all this stuff like where all the knowledge of us is stored. Um, Are you
0: ready to sit down? Go me. ahead and sit down. Can't find it. Okay, here's Marissa. That was
2: cool. i want to share
0: it. Let's see if she's got anything.
2: I did, but I can't find the thing to share it was a little um i have these little cutout people hi guys how's it going um it's like a cut out people and uh i used used to use them for the charts that we would create on the consciousness of god and how it's distributed throughout like all of our you know all the different layers of us and ultimately i mean everything is inside of us and that's when when we do these channeling things i see stuff obviously um in my head Um, I don't see it with my eyes. It's not like I see, like, you know, a chart before my face or whatever. Like, even, like, auras or anything. I I can see auras if I, you know, actually want to, but don't usually. Um, But the, um, I see the stuff in my head. And the way that the guides always interpret everything to me is, um, they draw pictures. And they show me where inside of me certain things are. So, um, like, earlier when he was reading, like, at the very beginning he was reading something and, um, there's a little person and they drew like this little thing and it said like Bible. And that's like the Bible carries the the blueprint for whatever is embodied within like this part of the body. It's like the right side of the body, I think, or the left side of the body. And then the Quran's like the bottom left hand leg, bottom of our left leg. And then, and, and my dad always goes crazy when I start talking about right legs and, and hands and this and that. But I mean, the guides always came to me and said, you are a snow globe. I have you in the palm of my hand and I'll never let you go. So technically like you're this guide. On, on some level you're a guide and you've projected your brain and your heart into a little person that is technically like in Chinese medicine they say it's right here on the little like the divot on our lip we have a little person like sitting there that's what Sue my one of my um, co-workers um told me she she helps me um lead classes um but the um she um so they they say there's like a little person right there which I think is kind of funny because whenever we do meditation I see people sitting up on their lip like with their feet hanging off, like just like looking and watching. So it's like we have this little piece of us that's a witness and it watches watches our life, um, from, right from our face, but not from like behind our mind, but like right, right, right there. It's watching our life, just like la la la, like it's a movie or something like that. And that that little us is um, ends up falling. So when it gets into fear and it doesn't trust that it's up in grace in God anymore, it falls down into the creation that it's created so you can think of like the Grand Canyon you're sitting on the Grand Canyon which is the top of your lip and you're like looking out over this huge canyon and you think like oh you, like that's cool over there like you know you look at something and you're like oh my god I'm so afraid I can't look from up here anymore so they fall down in fear down into we basically fall down into like our lower like like root or second chakra first chakra and um I was actually talking to somebody today who who had like sexual abuse and stuff like that when she was younger like from like four to six years old and her life is like frozen right now because of what happened to her between they just four and six and you know it's like I was telling her when we go into fear for anything we go into the fear of everything we've ever been in fear of so you know you're afraid of your parents dying you're afraid of people you know getting hurt you're afraid of dying yourself you're afraid of it it has to do with dying or losing somebody being separated from someone but fear even if it's like losing your job. Oh, I'm going to lose my job and my family's not going to love me anymore because I can't take care of them or whatever. But um, once you go into fear, you go into that childlike state of between like ages four and six where you're helpless. You need your parent to feed you. You need them to, to give you a house. You need them to take care of you. You need them to teach, not even necessarily teach you things, but, you know, you watch them and you learn from them. But but children are are. In, for the most part, they can't go grocery shopping and drive themselves to the store and go buy stuff. They can't really go out and hunt their own food unless they're gonna eat lizards or whatever. Back when we lived in forests or whatever, they would eat um, maybe rats or mice or gross. Yuck, 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 that's gross. But the point is, is that kids need adults. And so if you're an adult and you fall on any given topic in your life into fear, then you're gonna be that person that was in fear when you were four to six years old, three to six years old, prior to age three. We are, we are like God, basically, and we're just this big ball of bright light, like, shining out over everybody. Um, it's not until, like, three to six where we start really, like, recording everything that's going on around us. It's like our, uh, who we're going to be. Point is, is that when we fall into our body, we have to make our way back up to where we started which the guides called an axiom it's like a pole in between our head right there where we stand on it and I see all kids just like kind of standing on this pole and when they go into fear for the first time Madison it was when somebody spanked her nobody that was here not my family someone spanked Madison when she was like two you remember that I think you were there She got a little spanking because she almost spilled something on the ground. Madison almost spilled something on the ground when she was two, and she got a spanking from someone in the family. yeah, yeah, exactly. But she, after that, she was a completely different baby. She was a completely different person because it was fear for the first time. She was accused of something she didn't do. She didn't have the words to say. But I didn't spill it. What are you talking about? You know, it was like she got grabbed by the arm and smacked. I was so mad. And the but after that, she she went from being up here fearless to. The world can take me down. The world can accuse me of things that I didn't do. The world doesn't understand me. So she went into more of like a human state. So we start in a God state. We go into a human state. And... and you know, she'll never remember that, we remember it, just because we're adults, but she won't remember it, but that'll be a place where, when she goes into fear, she's accused of something she didn't do, she'll, she'll go into that place where she got that spanking for something that she didn't do, or she got accused for something, and she wasn't able to stick up for herself, and so, actually, no, nothing did spill, and I wasn't even doing that, I was trying to, you know, whatever, so it's, um, she was actually trying to grab a wine out of some of her, her grandma's hands, she was trying to take it from her, or something like that, um, but anyways, the, um, not to drink it, I think she was taking it from her for good reasons, but anyways, point is that, so Madison fell into that state, um, Matthew, I think far before two years old, but the point is, is if you can think back to when you fell into creation, when you fell into this creation that you created, you, you, you're, you as a soul, a spirit, any consciousness, this trinity spirit, soul and consciousness came together to create this life that you're living and you're in this like fleshy human being now. And, and when you fall into the fleshy human being, which is down beneath you know, like the mouth and down, all the way down, that's your flesh human being. Up above that, you're still in like your soul, your God consciousness. You're not in your physicality. Um, it, before that, you know all, you can see all, you can see everything from, you know, you can't control it because what's controlling it is the thing that you're, the person that you're sitting on, <laughs> you're sitting on your own lip, you're watching, but the witness that you are, you fall into this creation and then you don't know anything. You're not psychic when you're human. You're not um, when a man. You 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 can't read other people's energies, stuff like that. You have to rise up out of that, the fleshy body to really truly tune into all the, the um, universal energies. And this is why this channel, they're talking about me, this channel, when the accident, when I had the accident lifted up out of my body, was able to see, oh, I can go up out of there. I can look and I can see. Interesting. And then muscle memory was created. And the little person was able to rise up out rise up out rise up out and with practice comes perfection this is far from perfect but when you can rise up out of the fleshy body and see you can begin to communicate more clearly with the beings around you and making sure that your emotional state is not in fear because if you're in fear and you're meditating if you're in fear or we spoke of money in this 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 episode we talked about money money wealth 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 and money <clears throat> wealth is a state of being Money is a thing. Money is an energy exchange. An energy exchange for something, a good, a service. And that is okay. Trade, money exchange, you energy exchange. You always want to exchange energy with somebody if they make you something, if they do something for you, you want to exchange. It doesn't have to be money. It can be an apple. It can be a sandwich. It can be a handshake. Whatever it is, it's an exchange. But when an obsession about a thing begins to happen, this is when it begins to define you. And when you begin to define yourself as something other than you, your little person ends up in that. So imagine a being as an as obsession with wealth. I want to be rich. I want to be rich. I want to be rich. You're not even in your human being anymore. You're not even in your man being. You've fallen down into a creation that you've created in your mind of what wealth is. You hear these people, many times you'll hear people going, oh, that's just what rich people do oh leave it up to rich people to screw things up for people oh oh there's the rich people do this or, or white people do this or mexican people do this or do, do, do this. and when people generalize and say so that's those people all people are creating these fields of energy and these fields of energy can be fallen into and you can be absorbed by them and your little person will be living in this being that you're still in your physical body because that's where you are but your little person is over in something else and your body starts to become that you start to get slunched over you start to get more of a belly because the wealth is in the belly and the solar plexus you start to get littler legs you start to get your arms and shoulders get it's like you get hunched over when you have wealth interesting because that's people's belief about wealth people think of like Ebenezer scrooge or they think of of, of the person sitting there counting their money with all hunched over this is what people think of and what people think of is what people fall into Boo-gee.
1: It's
2: poochie. Oh Come on, poochie. Come on, come So, it's that with everything. Everything the creation is not created. Just as we've been saying, Michael created everything. Michael created the little people to sit and witness and watch the the souls, human beings. These human beings create realities and create wildernesses of, of realities. So when people believe a certain thing, they add to it. It's like a hard drive. It's like a, it's like a, a archetype in the, in the ethers. And when you plug into it, then that becomes your God. That becomes your obsession. And you're not connected to God anymore. Because the only thing that can connect to God is you through the umbilicus, through the mother, through the the Holy Spirit, from you to God, the, the tree of life. Just, like licking my arm. I'm like back yeah, of my body. Yeah, so imagine this. Imagine you are a person. So this is a, this is the kingdom of heaven. And I know it's backwards. Somebody said, why are you bass backwards? backwards? Backwards. But so here's the the sun. You see that down there? And it says kingdom of heaven. And I drew this weird little shape. It was interesting. It was like, um, uh, this says, um, gosh, I don't even know what that says up there. Something, master, something or other. I don't know. But there's this little thing here. So they're showing the the kingdom of heaven and they drew this. And this is like water shooting in. And then the water, oh, it hits the mirror. Yeah, the mirror, and it bounces off this mirror, and it shoots down here and it runs out. And right after I drew this, they started talking about the water and being baptized to the to the father or whatever. And they're saying that the father, the father is water, and in that picture on that little man that I drew. I'll, find it. I'll post it on Patreon if I find it over on the patreoncom intuition I'll post it over there as a free post. Um so there's there's the kingdom of heaven thing right there. And what was interesting was they said they showed me the kingdom of heaven is down here. Look okay. at. Down here, not up here. So what they're saying is people's idea of what heaven is is creating a false heaven for us. So a lot of people, when they die, will go to these fake heavens that they see themselves like frolicking around on clouds with harps and, you know, just sitting there with their mom's, their grandma's favorite cookies and, you know, just doing the things that they liked in this life. And that's a, that's a local heaven, a local heaven within your own field of energy that you go to after you die, because you've plugged into this world's idea of heaven on another planet, another place, another one of the 381 billion spheres that are on this on this creation or in this creation and we're one sphere out of that and we move spheres there's eight spheres within earth so there's eight and you move to the different spheres as you age so the first one first sphere is is the one and then three to six you have the next sphere and then the, th- the third sphere is from ages seven to 14 and then the fourth would be from 15 to 27 so the they're not all just Three of uh, seven years, seven years, seven years, seven years, like as we've shown before, it's like three years, seven years, 12 years. It, it goes up like that. It's kind of like cat years, sort of, but it's their dog years. But when you're on these different spheres, you create with greater amplitude. So the higher sphere you go to, the more amplitude you have. So imagine it being a bigger speaker, a bigger megaphone, and you say, create grass. And there's like grass everywhere. But if you're like, create, just thought of this really funny um youtube video Did, i don't know if jeff showed it to you i'll show it to you afterwards it's really funny reminds me of that um it's yeah anyways but um they're saying the higher the sphere the more magnitude you have to create and the more beings that there are become your arsenal your your like they're showing like big angels standing behind you as you get up into like the fifth the fourth sphere and then the fifth sphere it's just christ and it's it's um it's you're you're this ball of Christ, you're this ball of, of um light, and it's just emanating frequency of forgiveness, rationality, neutrality, compassion, hope, no hope is, is behind it. It's 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 a sphere unaffected by emotions unaffected by emotions and you can go two places you can either go from five to six or you can go from five and go back down to four thinking it's six so you can get flipped upside down backwards out of fear so when you become a christ-like being and you go into fear you are now the antichrist you are now in alignment with lucifer with the devil with all of them that want to create creation so fantabulous that we forget who we are and we just fall into this creation they use up all of our christ light because they're like (laughs) Mm, yummy christ light yum 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 we need that to survive so they don't have that anymore because they gave that up they decided they didn't want to do that anymore so but they need it in order to survive it's like electricity so then you get up to the the sixth sphere and you see the there's the this is this the sixth sphere poochie It's this little thing, but it's it's the other way. So this is this was the king of heaven this way. But they're saying that this is this weird little heaven thing. It's like a little hook or something like that. And they're showing it as like a little, like a, almost like a geyser or something like that. And then, when, where is that going to? Hold on, take me up there. It's the little geyser. Oh, it takes us up out of our body. So it's, it's a little tube that's running up our spine. And then it shoots up out of our head. And it lands us right here, right in front of our forehead. And that's our little person. Going up right here, and this is where we end up on this big um, round, like like sphere uh, platform, and we're just sitting up in in this higher level of consciousness where we can see we can see above the eyes. So we're not affected by what the human eyes see, like we were when we're down here. We're up here. We're seeing with God's eyes. We're seeing through the Creator's eyes, and we can see without emotion, without feelings, without being affected by our past, without projection or reflection, or or, or thinking that you know, everybody in here is so bored because I would be bored or, you know, and and feeling all insecure. Oh gosh, everyone's bored. You can see, and you can see, oh wow, everybody's actually really engaged in this. And if they're not, then, you know, they can just come back later and watch later if they are. And if not, then whatever, maybe somebody else in the house heard it and they got, they got help from it. So it's like, you see through these, these, these higher states of consciousness and the higher you get in these states of consciousness, the more broad the more expanded you are and the more magnitude you have in the thoughts that you think so you just think something and boom you get like a phone call from someone it's like oh gosh i really wish that so-and-so would call me and it's like boom there they are they call because they got the brain waves they sent them out and they generally in locality from here you can send out your brain waves about 50 feet 50 feet 50 feet and communicate with people from up here it's the entire world it's it's this universe you can just send out brain waves and people will pick up on it now whether they're up there too is going to be whether they respond or not. They may respond an hour later and go like, God, I couldn't get you off my mind for like 20 or 30 minutes. And, you know, and then you just kept on my, on my mind still, and you know, now I'm just calling you, you know, or whatever. They may not even know that you are on their mind. They may just, just call you just, you know, out of just, they don't even know why they're calling you, but they're calling you. And um, it's because their intuition, the little stream of consciousness that goes down the center of our head down through our brain, down into our hands, down into our legs, down the center channel of our body, the intuition line communicates with your whole body. And so if somebody's thinking, gosh, I really wish this person would call me, you are either going to not call them or call them based on the energy you're feeling from them, whether they're upset or mad or, or happy or, or, you know, If they're focusing really hard, then it sometimes will push you away because you'll be like, whoa, why am I feeling this energy? You don't know what it is, but you just react because everything that we do is 98% of what we do is based on our intuition. It's based on our subconscious mind. It's based on everything. And then the other percent in is our intention. So that makes it 99% of everything is intention and non like Uh, what's that called conscious things and then there's the conscious mind it's only one percent of us so when you consciously are trying to do something you most likely have already created a world where you don't have it or where it's already coming anyways uh because there's all this stuff working in the background so when they were talking about wealth and they were talking about about money and all that stuff tonight they kept saying that if you're wishing for money or saying oh gosh i really wish this person would pay me back the money that they owe me or i really wish that, that this this um you know lawsuit would go through or whatever i hear people always write to me and go when's my lawsuit going to go through and i'm like i don't know you know how much is it going to close for and i hear the number in my head but i don't tell them because i don't want to imprint them with it and then have them create it because what if they're going to get more what if they're going to get less what if they're totally in the wrong or you know whatever so i, I refrain from answering those questions i will say that 99 percent of the time i'm right but i i don't don't want to be that type of person that that sets those standards for people but anyways and then and then then When um, they set it in their mind that something's going to happen based on all of their beliefs in their head, either I'm not worthy of money or I'm not worthy of this or I'm not worthy of winning, all those things are little gears and cogs that come into play that will change our reality. Now, that's what the guides are for. The guides come in for every negative belief system that you have, that you've created in your mind that's not in your soul's mission, soul's path. A guide steps in. A guide is the antithesis, the, the opposite of this belief. So let's say you have a belief that um, uh, nothing ever goes right or or um, you can't get anything unless you work really hard for it or um, anytime anything is going right, something always goes wrong. Um, if those are beliefs now, you have a guide that's in there going like, Everything goes right all the time. Everything goes right all the time. It's always right, it's always right. Nothing is hard, nothing is hard. So it's like they're doing the exact opposite of your jacked up belief that you got from probably your parents who were you know raised back in like a long time ago that it's totally different now. And, and you know they had to walk uphill through snow backwards to school, right, wasn't that the saying? I, when I was your age, I used to have to walk to school in the snow, backwards, uphill. <laughs> yeah. and we didn't have shoes um but um it's like the 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 generations before i was talking about how hard it was so it's like they they ingrain in us it needs to be hard in order for you to get anything that's worthwhile anything and and in my mind i'm thinking of course yeah you got to work hard but they're really if you are a god being a christ being a, a spiritual being you really can just do this and create that's what that's all it takes now, getting past all your belief systems and asking your guides to come out and, and you know balance all those out and stuff is another story because you have to become aware of things. But that's, that's a totally different lesson. Now, the kingdom of heaven, they're saying, um, is, is you have to ask, where is the kingdom of heaven within me? And is that kingdom of heaven something that we as people in this world have created? Or is this the real, quote unquote, heaven? And, and they don't even like maybe use the word heaven they want, they want it to be called more of like the ethereal realm or the, um, non-local digestive system. Gross. <laughs> Gross. They said the non-local digestive system of like your, your, cause remember you got a body, but you're this little person, right? You're this little tiny person and this little tiny person that's witnessing and watching from your lip that then falls into you has all the same stuff as you. So like if you've got like digestive issues, you know that little person's gonna have digestive issues or whatever so they're saying that the, the non local digestive system of like we'll call it like the soul self or the higher self or the the, the physical body is where is where um, people are getting sick right now because because of all the belief systems that we're trying to to expel from the earth because the earth is not the same earth that it was in in uh, December of two thousand and eighteen March of eighteen it really shifted. March of 18 is when it really, 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 really shifted into this completely different, like, life, this completely different world. And people are stuck in the old way. And then there's the other people that are being persuaded that we need to change completely to, to evolutionize ourselves and screw, you know, like... Like whether I was born, you know, me or, or I was Marissa or Mario, <laughs> you know, it's like boy or girl or, you know, whatever. It's like the super focus on the lower chakras where it's our skin color, our, our race, our nationality, our gender, our sexuality. Um, prior to all this in 2018, when the world kind of shifted and, and, and the dark side kind of came in and started trying to, to trip people up is people were more concerned about your religion. It was it was like Muslims and Christians and terrorism all this. This is all like the solar plexus stuff. But mankind is de-evolutionalizing on the surface, whereas our souls are evolving. So our souls are going up and we as human beings are going down. And that's why Christ is so necessary, because Christ is the intermediary. The Christ is the in between. Christ is the one that's in there without emotion, that's able to go, oh, okay. Yeah, they're trying to confuse me about who I am and what I am. They're trying to put me into a bundle with a bunch of people that are the same race as me or the same job as me or the same uh, uh, gender as me. And they're trying to make me like everybody else way less than I already like them, that that I don't like them. Or they're trying to make me judge other people. And this is natural when you identify with something in you that's, you know, whether it's your gender or race or sexuality or whatever it is, when you identify with that, it's just like identifying with wealth whatever anybody thinks about what women are, that's a big field. Think of it as a big body. It's just a big body with no head. And when you identify with that, your head goes onto that body and now you're a that. So you're that. Whatever people think about women, um, whatever think, people think about nationality or race or, or you know, all the, the, the sexuality stuff with kids and stuff like that, it's like they take their head, basically, this little guy right here, and they go plug it into this created field and this is what demons are this is what witchcraft uses witchcraft will create archetypal beings they'll create beings with fields of energy and then suck people into them and then people are in that reality and they're feeding that reality with their light because they they are light so what we want everyone to do tonight and this is this is very simple very simple just ask that the head of christ the head of christ the head of christ be made very, 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 very obvious to you. where is the head of Christ within you? Where is the head of Christ within me? Where is the the fully evolved emotional being within me that's unaffected by duality that's unaffected by people telling me off or people telling me what I am or accusing me of something that I did not do? Where is that Christ head within me? Ask where it is and then just feel that area of your body and ask yourself, is that a part of my body where I have issues? I hear you. Okay. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. So the Christ head. Ask where the Christ head is within you, and then become part of it. Say, I am now identified. I'm identifying with this Christ head, and I want you to imagine that you are kind of interlocking with whatever that Christ head is, and just linking in with it. And you can imagine it as a separate being and you plopping onto its head, or, or being the head, or whatever. But just imagine this Christ head inside of your body. And then just imagine the little person that you are, just say, show me where I am. Where am I? Where is my where is my I am? That's your little guy right there on your lip. Say, where is that? And then just with your mind, just say, Okay, mind, smush those two together. You don't have to be like magical, you don't have to have abilities, nothing. Just just my I am and my Christ head. I ask that they they merge together. And then push them together in your mind. And what will happen is you'll feel this huge. Ball of light inside your body just starting to grow and grow and grow and grow. And grow. And it's going to push out all of your beliefs, all of the guides, all of the belief systems, and all the guides that go along with them that are outdated that you don't really need anymore that you picked up from generations past, or you picked up from the media, or you picked up from a movie or an imprint or whatever. From somebody said something like, "Oh, God, why why would you wear brown shoes with a with with a taupe shirt or whatever?" So now. Just somebody's opinion has now become a rule for you that you'll probably pass on to your kids. Now, you never want to wear a brown shoes with a taupe shirt because one person said that, and they may have no fashion sense. I don't even know if brown and taupe, I don't even know what color taupe is, but that's the, the color that came to mind. But the point is, is that somebody could say something to you in a demeaning way, and because you are an emotional being and you want people to love you and like you and accept you, you fell into this thing where, oh, well, I need to make them happy and not wear brown with taupe or whatever. And you can hear their voice in your head, 30 years later when you're shopping and you hear that in your head. So it's the littlest things. It's things like, oh, you're really you're really going to switch lanes right now? You're not supposed to switch lanes when blah, 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 blah. And really, it's not a law. It's not a traffic law. But now because that one person said it to you in such a knowing way when you were in this emotional state below your Christ head, you took it on as something that you needed to do in order to make other people happy. And it's now become a rule that you'll probably pass on to your kids and they'll pass on to their grandkids. Think of how many beliefs we have passed on to us that were based off of somebody's stupid opinion somebody's opinion that, oh, you're not going to do that, are you? And then then that then turns into a belief system that becomes a rule in someone's life. They pass it on to their kids, the grandkids, great-grandkids. So we're going to ask right now that our Christ head that's expanding and growing and that our I am that's within it or on it is going to release from us all of the beliefs that were created by creations. I release all beliefs and ideas that were created by christ's creations by christ's creations and just imagine you can imagine like um gumballs or something in your body and just imagine like like a little door of you opening up and just all the gumballs falling out just gone all those beliefs all those ideas that are blocking up all of your brain waves they're blocking up all the receptors in you and and when somebody says oh yeah hey uh, we're gonna go to this party this weekend and, and and um and and everyone's going to wear um, brown shoes with taupe shirt. And you're like, Oh God, I'm not going to go there. Well, what if your soulmate's there? Now you haven't gone there because you have brown shoes there. Everyone's wearing brown and taupe. This is the silliest idea, but this, it's, this is how, how silly most of our beliefs are though. It's brown and taupe. Oh gosh, I'm not going to go there, but say your soulmate was going to be there. Now you didn't meet your soulmate. Now you didn't uh, have your future kids. Now you didn't continue down your path with what you were supposed to do because somebody's a creation's creation. said something to you, you created a belief about it, and now you're living in sin, in essence, because you're afraid that people aren't going to love you if you wear brown shoes and a taupe shirt. So it's fear-based. So you never want to be fear-based. Fear-based just leads to problems. So in conclusion, what we want to do is we want to encourage each of you, encourage each of you to reach, put your right hand out, and just feel as your right hand is blessed with the Holy Spirit. It's a it's a christ's golden light it's a holy spirit's energy and attunement to the hand your right hand where where you usually sit your snow globe is it's like where your snow globe is so if you're your guide your snow globe is in the palm of your hand but technically you are the guide and you, a piece of you is there we are multidimensional beings. So at any time we can be the person in the snow globe, at any time we can be the one holding it, at any time we can be the little guy just watching, at any time we can be the little guy that fell in. And depending on where we've fallen into our body, whether it be fear or shame or, or pity or whatever, we're going to be in different parts of our body. And different parts of our body equal different emotional fields, different emotional energies. For instance, the stomach is, is I believe it's grief. And and that's the, the, when you're feeling that, your stomach, you go into your stomach. And all these different frequencies just exist, in the different parts of the body as a map for us as god beings and when we become christ Christed, or christ-like all of these emotions and feelings that go with all the different organs in the body they go away that's why some people will have massive amounts of pain in a certain part of their body and then they go into christ consciousness and no more pain no more pain because they are no longer in that old body that old creation that they were they're in their christ body so asking to go into your Christ body after releasing all of the beliefs and creations of creations, what we'd like for you to do is just ask that the Father, the Father, stream a, a very strong stream of water. But imagine when you let open the water and you know when it doesn't fizz everywhere, it doesn't like whitewash everywhere. It's just a very strong, like clear stream of water coming off like say like one of those little faucets it pours down just imagine kind of like one that's not splashing or it's just a very strong stream of clear clear water i want you to imagine that coming down over the back of your head rinsing your occiput rinsing all the way down your spine all the way down your back all the way down your tailbone down underneath your rear end and then up all the way down in between your legs and that water is making a perfect stream a perfectly clear cut path For the Father to run its energy, its plan, its nourishment. Remembering that the Father is merely nourishment. And that water running down is creating and generating energy for you, which is allowing that to feed the Spirit within you. And that Spirit within you is then a higher frequency, which is able to then connect with the Christ you. And that Christ you is then given access to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, and the Spirit of joy, life, love, aka the living. So I ask that you be alive today. Say, I am alive. Please show me what that feels like. If I was dead before or if I was asleep, I ask that I be woken up and that I am alive. I want to live, I want to be alive. Not just alive, but alive, you wanna be alive. You wanna actually look at life and go, wow, this is a cool life, wow, I, wow, wow, this is really neat. Oh my gosh, I'm a human being. And, and by being that, by connecting your I am, your Christ self, allowing it to expand, releasing all the creations that others created that are blocking you, you should be able to manifest the things that you want. You'll lose weight. People with memories, people with holding other people's memories, let's just say that you're obsessed with a ex-boyfriend or something, and you think about them constantly. They are now your God. They're your obsession. So now you're in them. So right now you're in Christ. You're in God when you're in the body that Christ is. Holy Spirit, God created for you. And and let us make this very clear. Your physical body is a creation of all of your dimensional selves. So all the different layers of you are what make your physical body what it is. So when you obsess about somebody else, you'll start to look like them. You'll start to act like them. They'll start to act like you because you're now in them. So it's very, very, very nasty actually when you step into someone else's field or you step into them as an obsession because now they are your god all the good the bad the ugly the, the everything in between that is your creation ground that is that is your world and you'll notice yourself in pictures when you're around certain people you look like them it's because you may have been inside of them and many 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 beings many many beings that are in the public will have people that will be jumping into their fields. And this is why many of you, if you are spiritual teachers, if you are ones that teach, just as these two do, you must, must, must ask that all beings, alive or not, be put back where they belong and out of your fields. They're not in your body, but they're out in the fifth and sixth layer of your field. And they're just sitting there with all their beliefs. And you're hearing it as channeling or you're thinking that it's God talking to you it's really just some dude that works at the grocery store that thinks that you're hot and he's obsessing about you because he wants to be with you and now he's in your field and all of his beliefs have become your beliefs so it's very 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 smooshed together these days ever since December of 2019 one of the tactics for for us as in spirit to keep people separate and in their families was with the pandemic that happened. So people were made separate. They were just with their families. They were able to work things out, but it was not supposed to last as long as it did. It was supposed to last two weeks. And this was during the dispensa- dispensation period of the Christed one. And the Christed one was entering back into the ethers from the physical world into the ethers and out into and a- and around the earth as a consciousness in general, just a consciousness. So Christ is now a consciousness, not a being on the planet. And all of you Have access to that Christ awareness, that Christ consciousness, and the creation, the create, the creation ability of Christ. Creation ability of Christ. So, we'd like for each of you to just close your eyes, put your hands in prayer position. And I am Christ, I am. I am Christ, I am. Please allow me to feel that know that and experience that this evening, day, morning, afternoon. Please allow me to experience that and make it very, very clear and in the highest and best way for me to understand and see that I am an evolved emotional being that can emote and feel above fear, feeling the good things in life and enjoying the good things in life without having to experience something negative in order to experience it. Because that's the beliefs with human beings must must have to go through something negative in order to get something positive that's not true that's not true we bless each and every one of you we wish that i wish that i had that picture um i'll show it on on go to patreon um and um oh just so you guys know i'm doing a class on friday it's um spiritual hottie um, people get spiritual and they're like, oh, oh, I must grow out my armpits and wear an ankle, ankle, um, anklet and get a man bun. Men, women are like, Oh, oh I'm just going to grow my hair out and just grow out my hair on my body and not even like put makeup on. Now I'm spiritual. It's like, no, that's not spiritual. That's just like bad hygiene. Um, you know, it's like you, you still, when you evolve spiritually inside, it doesn't mean that you have to neglect the outside and look like crap. Um, to prove to people that you care about what's inside. So our class on Friday is going to be about um, getting in shape, getting skinny um, or, or, you know, getting fit and having the in, internal spiritual self that like just, you know, you work so hard on everything in, in your life in, in releasing beliefs and ideas and clearing your snow globe and getting rid of old emotions and old beliefs and old ideas. And then you look in the mirror and you see the same old person. So it's, it's good to use these tools that, that the guides are going to teach. I don't even know what they are yet. Um, on how to do quantum work on the fields where other people are in them people think we look a certain way so we look that way if we can release all those we can change like that it's like you change overnight just you change like in the blink of an eye all of a sudden boom you're different and sometimes when you're different you don't even notice that you were different until you look at a picture of you like you know a week before and go whoa I look totally different than I looked last week So when we change, we change and we forget that we changed. So um, anyways, that's going to be Friday. Um, If you need like financial aid for it, just let us know. I think the class is like 50 bucks, but it's like a four hour class and it's um, Friday during the daytime, the day after my dad leaves. Where do they find you for
0: that show?
2: Um, That's on my, everything's announced on my Patreon. So you can either go onto Patreon and sign up as like a dollar person or just follow my posts. You can subscribe for free and then you'll just get all my posts and then what you'll get is you'll get an email from me when we announce the class because it goes out to everyone on patreon so patreon is p-a-t-r-e-o-n it's patron like a patron of the arts but it's spelled wrong p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com and then it's forward slash discovering intuition or you can always just go to discoverintuition.com and i think there's a button on there that says check out my patreon page or whatever but um, or just search Marissa Morris on Patreon. But um, yeah, all my posts are there. All my class announcements are there. I'm going to start using Facebook more. I'm setting it up right now. So hopefully we'll have an event set up here soon and we'll post it on the Answer Seven Speaks page. And um, yeah, so I'm just getting back to teaching again. I'm excited. And um,
0: just say hi to a couple of people. And then okay.
2: we right There's there. Shelly. Hi, Shelly. There's Sarah.
0: There's a bunch of people popping on and off.
2: Catherine. Catherine's awesome. She's been here the whole time. Oops.
0: come sweetie. Your mom's just finishing up now. See, let them hi
2: Hi mama. Um Yeah, you wanna say hi? There's me, there's me. There's Madison. Madison, what color is my energy right now? Um, put on, then we got
1: something. I'm gonna get a mood ring for
2: you. Oh, oh, I. oh I have a mood ring somewhere. No, I want you to tell me what I'll get you oh, it. hold she, on, I'll be right Okay. She she's the one my energy. See, I'll go, Madison, what color is my energy? And she goes, mm, pink and blue, but you're not blue, mommy. So something else is in your energy. She goes, oh, it's God. Or she'll say something. Hi, Bevel, what color is my energy? Hey, babe. But you can see my energy, right? What color is it? Is it black or is it blue? Or
1: feel it, is- feel it. Okay. Hi, You're, high you're careful. Careful. But, but,
2: <laughs> Okay. All right, guys. Hey, you're the tank. Oh, anyway, he's the tank. <laughs> okay. Save
1: the, day. Um, the you're... <laughs> you're light purple. <laughs> no. What color am I? <laughs> <laughs> that blue ring.
2: <dream. laughs> Yellowish, purplish. <laughs> <is> super light. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of light, very lime,
1: light, 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 <laughs> light, lime. Light lime? Yellow light and, lime, and um, pink? Very, very, no. I'm um, very, very light purple. I'm is- um, very, very light yellow. Mm-hmm. And a very, very light, light um, lime.
2: A light I'm lime. Right. What does that mean? Baba, Bruh- right. Bruh- what does I'm lime saying, energy mean?
1: That, that, that means taste. No, do go. No. Up. Okay, listen here. I'm listening.
2: That, that, means, means
1: that means you're believing something.
2: <laughs> I'm believing something? Did you hear that, I'm believing something? Yeah. What? That's what lime means? And what is yellow? And she says my energy has lime in it. And so it means I'm believing something. Oh, and what does yellow mean? Lunch. Yellow means hmm. happy. Happy, and what does pink mean? That's the color. No, purple. Yeah. Oh, very purple.
1: light purple. Oh, very light purple. Okay. Very light
2: purple. Tackle, mm. tackle,
1: tackle,
2: tackle, tackle something that you're going to tackle. About to party. About to party. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh time to party. <laughs> All right, party animal. Oh, my goodness. All right, well, let's get Pop on camera, okay? Mm-hmm. You were just in the show. Season here, season Madison's the on day. the show. There we go. Yeah. Are you going to teach us about God? <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. So, bye, everyone. No, just say bye to everyone. Say bye. Bye bye. everyone. Yeah,
0: right
2: All right. On. I don't want to erase it or anything, but no, let's, see. Just finish let's see who's here. Yeah. Mama's here. Oh, Madison says, Uh, Shelly says, hi, Madison. <laughs> and then there's Susan. No, and. Shelly.
1: Hey, Hi, Charlie.
2: I know your name is Tank. She's not Tank, you're Tank. Okay. <laughs> All right.
1: Bye, guys. Yeah. Wait,
2: I want to see Uma. She's there. You won't see her, she's right there. Okay, bye, guys. Bye. See you tomorrow. Bye.